BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to The Bad Broadcast. I'm your host, Maddie Murphy. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to a new episode of The Bad Broadcast. My name is Maddie Murphy. I am your host. And today I am also your educator. Well, I shouldn't I shouldn't say educator. I am your spokesperson and fellow idiot, because today we are talking about all of the things that confused us about sex growing up. And I don't know how we haven't done this topic yet. It's been at the top of my list for like probably six months because we always do the dumb dumb club here, which as all of you guys know by now, it's, you know, a place where we laugh about dumb things that we didn't learn until adulthood. And so many of the dumb dumb club submissions that I get are about sex or like sex adjacent topics. So I'm glad that we're finally doing this. It's a beast. And it comes with a lot of funny things and a lot of kind of a little bit depressing things because none of us were educated properly. I I don't know if it's generational. Okay, I shouldn't say none of us, but I know very, very few people. I could probably count them on one hand who had a normal, healthy view of sex their entire life and had kind of an open relationship with their parents about discussing it and things like that. I, I don't know anybody who had that. I didn't have that. So we're going to talk a little bit about purity culture and sex ed and all of that, but then we're going to get into the submissions that you guys sent me about things that confuse you about sex. And I promise you, I have, I have one for every response. Like I have so many sex misconceptions that I believed until I was like old, like you guys know, until I was like in my mid twenties, some of them I didn't even learn until I was like divorced, which was a year ago. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're going to get into all of those. Right up top, though, I should say, not a family-friendly topic. If your kids listen with you, you're going to have a lot of weird conversations. Uh, so anybody who might be sensitive, I mean, I, I did ask on my Instagram, I said, I'm doing these topics and they have to do with vaginas. Are we cool with that? I did get a handful of messages of people being like, they gross me out. So if that grosses you out, I'll see you next week. Or if you are related to me and you don't want to hear me discuss these things, you might want to skip this one. <laughs> I always like to give a give a fair warning uh, for people who are maybe not wanting to consume that content. Because I do, I mean, I keep it pretty clean. Like, I feel like as far as podcasts go, I feel like mine's pretty clean. And I know that a lot of people like that. And so I just want to give you a warning when it's not going to go down that, that, uh, that path, which this one definitely does not. 
So let's talk a little bit about purity culture. I was raised Mormon and I still live in Utah, which is a very heavily Mormon area. And I don't interact with anybody really on a day-to-day basis. Like none of my close friends were not raised LDS. Everybody that I interact with who is from Utah is ra- was raised LDS. Obviously, I have friends from elsewhere that were not raised LDS, but the majority of friends from Utah were raised LDS. So I would say that we all have a pretty similar experience when it comes to like learning about sex and talking about sex and how we felt about our own bodies and things like masturbation, all of that. And my my experience was that up until I was about 14 or 15, I just didn't think about it. I didn't think to ask. I wasn't curious. I wasn't like wondering about anything because I was kind of the main messaging that I got was that it was dirty and bad and scary. So I didn't even really need to think about it or ask about it because that wasn't going to be a part of my life anyway. And when you get married, you just figure it out. That's kind of how it worked in my mind. So when I turned like 15, 16, when I started liking guys and like started figuring out these like (laughs) urges, like when I would kiss a boy and I'd be like, why do I like it honestly kind of confused me. Like I knew that I was horny. I didn't really know what it meant. I didn't know why I was feeling that way. And I had the notion that if I was kissing somebody and I didn't feel horny, that was actually a good sign. That went, that meant that I was like being obedient or that I was being, you know, clean and close to the Holy Spirit. Like that's what I thought. So when I felt horny, I felt like it was a huge problem. Like I felt like I was se- like really making some bad decisions. Like even if I just felt that way, not even if I did anything, just if I felt that way. So that uh, did me a lot of favors, obviously, but I kind of kept that like mentality that like feeling horny was so bad. And I, I carry that into like my, my dating life, like into my early twenties. Like if I felt horny around a guy, I thought it was a, a, a warning. Like I thought it was just really bad. I thought I needed to like seriously, seriously, like s- separate myself from this person. Turns out when you feel horny for a person, it means that you like them and there's some chemistry there that would have been really helpful to know. And obviously like I've talked about sex before and I've said things like, if you don't feel horny, you're weird. If you, you know, and I've had people reach out to me and be like, obviously there are asexual people who don't feel that way and they're not weird. And you're totally right. There's a whole range of sexuality and all of those things. So I'm not saying that if you don't feel that way, that you're weird, but that was my experience. Like I, I thought the feeling horny was a problem. And then, I mean, then you mix in all of the, all the things with, with, uh, waiting till marriage until, and, waiting until marriage to have sex, which I did. I did not have sex until I was married. And I don't recommend it. I did not think that that was a good idea. I mean, at the time, I thought it was a really good idea. Now that I'm on this end of it, and even in the middle of my marriage, like I, I'm not saying this just because I'm not married anymore, but it's like, I, I started disagreeing with that as I was deconstructing my religion. I was like, that really messed with me. I had no concept of what sex was, what it should feel like, what it should sound like. (laughs) But just like, I, I didn't know what a normal sexual experience was. And that's kind of the problem. And I know that there are people out there who still very much believe in waiting until marriage to have sex. And, you know, all sexual activity should be saved for your marriage. And 
that's totally fine if you believe that. I I just don't agree with that anymore. I don't think that it's healthy and I think that it can kind of warp what women especially think is a normal sexual interaction because I just thought like, oh yeah, you just you get married and then it all works out. And turns out when you have no education and nowhere to turn for like real actual sexual advice, everything you just you rationalize everything you say oh well that's normal and that's normal when really you could be getting yourself into situations that are not normal and that could be dangerous like I I feel like we all know women who this has happened to where they've been pressured into having sex or they didn't feel like they could say no or they didn't understand what sex was supposed to be and then they ended up you know in situations that were really horrible because they didn't have that it's like well so Elizabeth Smart who I, I'm assuming literally every single person listening to this knows she she goes around and she speaks about comprehensive sex education because she thinks it's so important for women to understand. And she's an active member of of the church like she's LDS Mormon. And she is is teaching people about how necessary it is to have comprehensive sex, sex education. It's not to be like frivolous and weird and like sexual it's for safety like it's for it's it's for safety of both men and women so that you know sex is not something that it's not a tool used against people when we understand what sex is then it can be used for what it actually should be used for so there's my uh there's my spiel about purity culture still working through basically all of that modesty plays into a lot of it i thought that wearing immodest clothing like if I had short shorts on or if my if I had cleavage or if I had a tank top on, I thought that I was being like very overtly sexual and I was causing a huge issue for like a lot of people. And I still have that. Like if you see me like with cleavage, just know it took like three hours of crying to get there. Like I have a very hard time with it still. And I don't know when that will end, but we're working on it. So hopefully this episode, as we go through some of our common misconceptions, <laughs> They are unfortunately very common. Uh, we can laugh a little bit, maybe cry a little bit about how uneducated we were. And we're going to clear also some things up because there were some submissions that had a little bit of confusion. And I thought, why not take on the role of explaining to you guys these things? <laughs> we're just going to see how this goes. I did want to, uh, I, I took these notes earlier because I wanted to tell you guys what uh, the, the, standard for sex education is it's pretty crazy so uh there schools are required to teach sex education but curriculum is not required to be comprehensive it must stress abstinence it is not required to include instruction on sexual orientation or gender identity uh, curriculum is not required to include instruction on consent it must include instruction on refusal skills that's fair right direction i suppose uh, parents or guardians must give written permission in order for a student to per participate in any form of sex education, which is is fine. But it also maybe you live in a very liberal state that has great sex education. If you are raised religious and your parents still don't want you to know it, you can they can still keep you from that. So, yeah, that's that's kind of a bummer. Uh, and curriculum must be medically accurate. It cannot include the intricacies of intercourse, sexual stimulation or erotic behavior. So basically anything about pleasure, masturbation, anything like that. It cannot include the advocacy of premarital or extramarital sexual activity. I get the extramarital, but the premarital is obviously, for me, an issue 
just because if kids want to have sex, they're going to find a way to have sex. Like if, if kids in high school are horny and in love, they're going to find a way to do it. Like I, I mean, I grew up in, uh, in a community where like, you know, nobody was allowed to shut their door or have a boy over or be in the basement with the lights off or all those things. And it's like, you can set all these rules. You can tell them, you can stress like not having sex before you're married, but if they want to do it, they're going to find a way they're going to miss class. They're going to go to their car. They're going to find a way. They're going to go to a friend's house. Like I saw every way that kids dodged rules that their parents set. And I just think it would be, I mean, I'm not a parent yet. So I just, I don't want to say like that I would ever know how to parent better than anybody, but it seems like having an honest, open line of communication about all of those things seems like the best way to do it because kids will fill in the blanks. If they've got gaps in their knowledge about sex, they're going to find they're going to go looking for answers. And chances are they're going to find pretty inaccurate answers because they're going to go to the locker room or they're going to go to their peers or they're going to go to like Pornhub and try and figure out all of these questions that they ha- need answers to. And I just feel like as an adult in their life, it would probably be better to be the one to give it to them straight. I mean, it's like it's like how now our generation is is learning that using medically accurate terminology for genitalia is better than like these weird words that we give it. Like, I don't know any of my friends who have kids who plan on saying like private parts or swimsuit area or things like that. Like all of my friends are like, no, my kid will know that you know, he has a penis or she has a vagina or, you know, some people identify as this or some people feel this way or some people like they're having those conversations early. And again, it probably is generational. So I love to see it. I love to see parents educating their children, creating that bond, creating a circle of trust and honesty. I think it is the safest way to go instead of being, you know, cagey and avoidant, which Again, I I felt very heavily. I felt like if I had questions about sex, it was very awkward. It was very tense with any adult in my life, with, you know, church leaders or teachers or I mean, I wasn't like going to my teachers being like, hey, can you tell me what a blowjob is? Uh, but, you know, if I had I had any sort of question about anything, I I felt very uncomfortable asking and I didn't feel comfortable asking until I was very old. And it also cannot include the advocacy or encouragement of the use of contraceptive methods or devices. So basically, no, it doesn't teach you about protection, doesn't teach you about plan B, anything. And yeah, obviously, those are very important things to teach kids, (laughs) especially high schoolers. Okay, so with that said, I think it's pretty clear why so many of us had so many misconceptions about sex growing up. And I have never had so many submissions to a topic in one day. I had over 900 submissions that that blew the last record like out of the water, but I couldn't read them all on my own. So I had to enlist help. My assistant, Nicole, and also Lucy helped me read them. That being said, I don't know what a lot of these submissions are. I've, I've skimmed through them. So I know some of them, a lot of them are going to shock me. And also there may be double, because there were a lot of same submissions, like a lot of people who, oh man, what were the ones that are like, were really common? Didn't, you know, people who didn't know that women had more than one hole, uh, people who thought that, what were the other ones? Oh, that, that a blowjob was just like blowing air onto a penis, that oral sex was just making out. Like those were all really common. So we might have some overlap because Nicole picked some and Lucy picked some. So if there are, we'll just, we'll roll with it. But wanted to get that, all those logistics out there. This episode of The Bad Broadcast is sponsored by Made by Mary. 
if you are looking for an amazing gift for anybody in your life, Made by Mary should be your number one go-to. Not only do they have sentimental and gorgeous jewelry pieces for any milestone or celebration that somebody might be having, but they also have pieces that were designed by me that are a little less sentimental and a little more snarky. I especially love the necklace that we designed with the word petty on it. Why? Because I think it's funny and I think that deep down all of us are petty, petty princesses. However, just because they're snarky does not mean that they are not the best quality. Made by Mary Jewelry has over 40,000 five-star reviews and it is crafted from the highest quality materials. You can wear these all day, all night, and it'll look amazing the whole time. These pieces are also hand-stamped by talented, gorgeous women right here in my home state of Utah. These pieces are created to connect you to pivotal moments in your life, or maybe just your best friends who are some bad broads who need a funny little necklace to wear. So visit madebymary.com and enter the code BAD at checkout for 10% off of your order. That's M-A-D-E-B-Y-M-A-R-Y.com. Enter the code BAD at checkout and get 10% off of your order. Some exclusions do apply. There's a $5 minimum purchase and excludes 14 karat solid gold and gift cards. This episode of The Bad Broadcast is sponsored by Way. As you guys heard last week, I gave you my top five beauty products I cannot live without. And of course, Way made the cut. I love, I mean, basically all of their products. I use them on every square inch of my body. But let's talk about their hair care for a minute because their deep conditioner and also their detox shampoo and their scalp and body scrub are all on some of my top favorite products from them. Whether you have fine, medium, or thick hair, Way is just your type. No matter what your hair needs, if it needs volume, shine, hydration, their shampoos and conditioners are made to give your strands exactly what they need, helping you with multiple hair concerns to get you on your way to good hair days every single day. Oh, I also love their scalp serum. I forgot to add that one in. I, I'm just... You guys know I can't resist. So nourish your hair every day and keep it looking its best with shampoo and conditioner from Way. And when you find your favorites, you can stock up and save with their 32-ounce refill pouches of their most loved shampoos and conditioners. So get on your way to healthier hair one day at a time with shampoos and conditioners that are just your type. Right now, Way is offering my listeners a special deal when you go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and use the code BAD, you'll get 15% off your entire purchase. These make the best gifts for yourself or anybody else. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I code BAD for 15% off your entire purchase. Okay, I'm geared up. I'm ready. I've got a UTI, so I'm on theme. Let's go. The extent of what I learned was, oh, wait, <laughs> this was my note. This was my note that I took that I was going to tell you guys the extent of what I learned about sex. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I guess now I'll just finish the sentence because I'm here. The extent of what I learned was husband's penis enters wife's vagina. Wife either gets pregnant or has a period. That was the extent of my sexual knowledge. That was it. That was all I got. Uh, okay, so now let's get into your... Uh, submissions. Here we go. I thought all women had a baby inside of them, like even me as a child, and it just wasn't ready to come out until I was an adult. So I'd think things like, oh, I'll eat this grape for my baby that I'm currently growing as a child because in 20 years I'll give birth to it. Insane, but also it does not involve a man, so maybe genius. 
if there was a way, if there was a way for children to enter the world with no men, I would guess that there would be very, you know, there'd be a lot more happy women out there. <laughs> or have you guys heard the the joke? Like if women had to be the ones who came like instead of men, like there'd be half the amount of children in the world. Yeah, probably. Okay. When I was like 15, I sneezed while in the car with my parents and I told them that a sneeze was equivalent to, equivalent to an eighth of an orgasm. I'd heard that fun fact at school. I did not know what an orgasm was. I had heard the word, but didn't actually know what it meant. Both of my parents looked at me like, what? I didn't think anything of it at the time, but when I learned what it meant, I felt really embarrassed. I didn't know what a virgin was until I was like 18. And I remember we were on a family trip to Disney World and in in uh like I don't know if it's in downtown Disney. I don't even know if it's still there anymore. Uh, but in there in like in downtown Disney, there's a a virgin mobile store. And I remember my brother was like, what do they even sell there? And I was like, they sell virgins there, not having any clue what a virgin was. And I remember I got in a ton of trouble and I was like, so confused. And this is coming from somebody who was raised very Christian. Like I learned about the Virgin Mary. I learned about immaculate conception. I didn't know what either of those words meant. Like I remember learning about the Virgin Mary growing up and being like, what is the big deal? And I also remember thinking like, how does she know that it's God's baby? Like she's married like this, like it, it, I couldn't put two and two together. I mean, now that I'm this age, it makes even less sense. And I, you know, whatever I, I've seen this TikTok about somebody. <laughs> I don't know if it's octopus lover. If he does this bit about Mary trying to tell Joseph that it really was an immaculate conception. Like she didn't cheat on him. She swears. <laughs> Oh, it's so funny. You got to laugh. You got to laugh through the religious confusion. Okay, next one. Oh, yeah. I thought a blowjob was literally blowing air on his penis. Man, that would be so much easier on jaws everywhere. I thought vagina was spelled with a B. Vagina. Until I was about 16. Vagina is a way funnier word. I don't like a lot of the words that we have for vagina. Yes, I know that the proper terminology would be vulva for the, you know, the the totality of the area. You should call it a vulva. But I've just I've always called it a vagina. And so I just, you know, that's what we're going with. But yeah, I took a, a sexual what class was it? it was like a sexual health class when I was in when I was in uh, college. And I remember the very first day of class, he had us like think of all of the euphemisms that we have for both males and females. And it was actually like the funnest lesson I've ever had. Everyone's in the back like, pussy. <laughs> it was so funny. Uh, but yeah, I just feel like I like I don't like, what was the word that I really don't like? I hate the word crotch. Hate the word crotch. That was like, I probably used that word. That felt like an edgy word to me because I was always taught to say private parts or swimsuit area. Uh, so when I would say crotch, that was like a big deal. But yeah, I don't like crotch. I don't like coo ah, coochie's kind of funny. I don't like cooter. Wait, yeah, I do. Now I'm saying all these and I'm like, wait, these are all funny. I do. I won't say it, but I think that the C word is is I think we're reclaiming it. I think that it's a good word. I mean, when I was younger, I would have told you that it was the worst swear word ever. Like it was worse than any swear word combined. And now I'm like, is that my favorite? Is that should that be the most commonly used one? Anyway, moving along. Uh, this is literally so embarrassing, 
and I have no idea why I thought this because I definitely attended health class. But when I was a 19 year old virgin religious girl and engaged to my husband, we were talking about boners and I let it slip that I thought a long red thing came out of the penis hole, like how dogs get boners. My husband was so horrified and he laughed so hard. Boners seem fake. Like until you encounter one, when you're told about it, you're like, there's no way. There's no way that it's, what do you mean it's hard? I remember thinking, what What do you mean it is rock hard? That do, that doesn't make sense. It's on their body. Like, how does it change from soft to hard? And uh, yeah, there's a lot of things. I mean, we'll talk more about them, the things that really sounded fake. Because a lot of sexual things, not sex itself, not like actual P&V sex, but like other activities that you do, they seem made up. I mean, let's just get into it. First time I heard about a blowjob, first time I heard about eating out, I was like, that's disgusting. There's no way that you would ever have the desire to do that. There's no way that like putting somebody's dirty dick in your mouth sounds like a good idea. Turns out it does sound like a good idea from time to time. And it just, yeah, when you, when you tell like, yeah, I remember discussing this stuff with my friends, like when we were all in the process of like dating and getting married and all this stuff. And I remember one of my friends was like, <laughs> oh, gosh, actually, hold on. Let me back up a little bit because this is when we were younger. That story I'll save it for in a minute. Uh, I remember talking to one of my friends when we were younger and she told me that she had given a guy a hand job, And I was like, you touched it. Like, why? Why would you do that? There's no way that either of you liked that. Like, how would that even it didn't it, it, it couldn't make less sense to me why somebody would want to touch one. Turns out it's pretty great. Okay. Uh, next, it was my first time getting spicy with the guy and I asked him if he had finished. Like, I didn't know that it was going to be obvious if he finished. Not to mention all we had done was make out for like 10 minutes and I didn't even touch him. Just let that sink in. Also, he laughed in my face and said, for future reference, don't ever ask a guy that again. I mean, I think it's a little dramatic. Never ask a guy that again. Sometimes when you're having sex, you can't be sure. You're like, you got to double check. Like, yeah, are, did you finish? Are you done? Like, I don't think that's that That's that weird. And if you grew up Mormon, you know that there are a lot of guys. I shouldn't just say Mormon. You know, it's probably in a lot of religious communities. You know that you can be making out with a guy for 10 minutes. And he can absolutely finish from that. I remember I was making out with a guy and he was in his swim trunks and we kissed for like 15 minutes and then he kicked me out and I called one of his friends and I was like, I think he's mad at me. And he was like, no, he's like, he just, he finished and he was embarrassed and it was all over his swim trunks. And I was like, what do you mean he finished? <laughs> oh, okay. Moving along. I just learned what a queef is literally yesterday. I didn't know that a queef was the result of sex. I'm over here claiming I'm queefing or I just queef to people when I'm a virgin and it's really just a fart that went up the front. This is not a queef. That's, that is not what a queef is. And also you can queef outside of having sex. When I sleep on my back, I queef. I'm not sure why. I don't know if it's the positioning of my body, but one time I went camping and I was strapped into a, a sleeping bag and I couldn't move and I had to sleep on my back. I queefed all night. Uh, but no, a queef is when air gets gets trapped in your vagina and then it comes out and it sounds like a fart. You don't like push it out like a fart. It just is like kind of just, it just flaps out. 
And it truly does. That's the best word I can use for it because it does sound like that. But yeah, it happens a lot after sex just because like when something's going in and out of it, it can like push air in there. And then when it comes out, it's like a, a queef. But I do know what you're talking about when you fart and it slips up the front, a little bubble up front. That is the worst. That is the worst, most uncomfortable feeling. And it's like then you have to like adjust and you feel like a gross dude like adjusting his balls like when you have to figure it out. Hate it. All right. Uh, <laughs> next one. Our ninth grade health teacher always compared a penis to a sponge. I think he said that to imply a penis got bigger slash hard by filling up with blood. But at that point, as a clueless 14-year-old, I just assumed that when a guy finished, he ejaculated from every pore, just like if you were to squeeze out a sponge. I was way too old when my boyfriend had to tell me how it actually worked. That would be, I mean, cum is already, I, maybe I'm in the minority here. It's not the most appealing liquid in the world, Okay. It's not icing. It's not sweet and condensed milk. I mean, it's it's warm and weird. To think of it coming out of any other hole, to think about it just exploding is upsetting. I thought that a penis was upside down. I had only ever seen drawings of penises and people only draw them erect. My little innocent brain did not understand this. In my head, the balls were at the tip and that's what went in the vagina during sex. I was like, of course it hurts. The thickest part is what goes inside of you. I didn't learn what it actually looked like until my wedding night. My husband still makes fun of me. We need to update the dick doodle because I do, I don't think that it's the most accurate that it can be. I feel like we could adjust. I feel like we could, we could, you know, maybe move the balls, maybe over to the side a little bit. It's just like the, the current dick drawing is kind of like, I mean, you got to be at a, a different angle to see the dick drawing be accurate. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just, I feel like we could update it a little bit because that also confused me. Even like now, sometimes I see him and I'm like, that doesn't feel right. I feel like, I mean, if we drew, drew him from the side, maybe we could get a little more accuracy. I don't know. I didn't invent the dick drawing. Obviously, it was a 12-year-old boy somewhere who thought that that was really funny. So I'm just, I'm out here preaching that it's time for an update. Okay, uh, next one. I thought eating out meant the guy liked your boobs. <laughs> For maybe six years, I thought this. When I finally found out what it meant, I about died. <laughs> yep, doesn't sound real. It doesn't sound real. But I just had a really, really, really old man walk past my studio and look at me. You can definitely hear what I'm saying. Like, it's this is not a, I mean, it's insula insulated. It's like soundproofed. But like the door, you can still hear people. You can still hear people out of it. Sorry, I'm about to get way weirder because we're about to talk about 69ing. Somebody said, I thought 69ing was a joke and I didn't know people actually did it. I'm still not sure how it works. And at this point, I'm too scared to ask. Well, let me give you a little 69ing lesson. First of all, not worth it. Never met anybody who was like, oh, I love a 69. No, everybody I've talked to is like, it's not worth the effort. It, there's way too much going on. And porn just makes it seem like it's a really good idea. 69ing is when you both give oral and receive oral at the same time. So like your head is down by their area and their head is by yours. So it's like if, you know, you're, you make a little 69, you know, if like if you type 69 in your phone, it's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense now. Yeah, not cool, not good. Never enjoyed it. If it's your if you like it, power to you. But like I don't have the stamina nor cardiac strength to 69 this episode of the bad broadcast is brought to you by better help it can be very easy especially as women to get stuck 
caretaking for everybody around you and forgetting to take care of yourself. And it seems like a good thing, right? It seems very noble to make sure that everybody is all taken care of and set up and ready to go and forgetting about yourself. When we spend all of our time giving, it can leave us feeling stretched thin and burned out. And burnout is good for nobody, especially yourself. Therapy can give you the tools to find more balance in your life so you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. That is one of the main things I work on in therapy is making sure that I'm listening to my own needs, my own desires, my own wants, and not putting everybody else before me. If you're thinking about giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great place to start. It is entirely online and it is designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. That is one of the hardest parts about starting therapy is finding the time. What if you're going to have to drive somewhere really far away? What if there's traffic? What if you have to sit in a waiting room? What if you don't like your therapist? BetterHelp can take care of all of those pain points. You just fill out a brief questionnaire online to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash bad today to get 10% off of your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash bad. This episode of The Bad Broadcast is sponsored by Julie. This is a very fitting sponsor for the episode and the topic at hand. Julie is an FDA-approved morning-after pill that helps stop pregnancy before it starts. If you've ever had unprotected sex and forgot your birth control or had a condom break, and you're just not sure... It's nice to have that extra layer of protection. Julie is aiming to be the emergency contraceptive company for the next generation, one of learning and acceptance, not stigma and shame. We absolutely love to see it, Jules. When it comes to complex and stressful choices around your health, Julie believes that women deserve products that are easy in every way. Easy to find, easy to take, easy to relate to, and easy to understand. Julie stops your body from releasing an egg using the same active ingredient as Plan B or other morning after pills. Essentially, Julie works by preventing or delaying your ovulation. With no egg, there's no fertilization and therefore no pregnancy, and it's no risk to future fertility. It does work best when taken right away or within 72 hours of unprotected sex. It is legal in all 50 states and just launched at CVS. You do not need an ID, prescription, or credit card to get it. Julie is not just a morning after pill. It's a morning after pill brand that's working to increase access to emergency contraception for women across the country. Julie has a one-for-one -one donation program, and every time you purchase Julie at a store or online, the company donates one pill to someone who needs it. Julie partners with over 25 organizations across the country to provide donations to those disproportionately impacted by health inequities. You can go to juliecare.co to learn more or find Julie at your nearest CVS, Target, or Walmart today. That's J-U-L-I-E care.co to learn more. Okay. I had heard of hand jobs, but I didn't understand exactly what they were. I thought a girl was supposed to squeeze a guy's penis with her hands over and over, like milking a cow. Thank God I told this to my friends before I ever gave one so they could tell me how wrong I was. I mean, it looks like an udder. It should be treated as an udder. I get the logic. Hi, Maddie. This is not mine, but my husband's. When he asked his dad how girls got pregnant before they were married, somehow he came away from the conversation believing that the boy had to pee into the girl in order to get her pregnant. He also believed that you only had to do it one time. Then every other time you wanted a baby, you just prayed. So for years, he dreaded the one-time pee experience. Luckily, he figured out long before he ever tried to pee in a girl. Pretty sure that you die if somebody pees in you. <laughs> 
I could be making that up, but I do feel like that is, is don't you get like, excuse me, like sepsis if somebody pees in you? Uh, yeah, I, I want to do an episode. I, I think that we're going to do a part two of this for sure, but I want to switch it to do guys misconceptions about women's bodies because I know a lot of guys who until they were married, you know, didn't understand periods, didn't understand anything about what happens to a girl's body, like at all. And so I think we need to do that next round. So gather up your husbands, ladies, because we're going to get weird in that episode. I'll have to bring a guy. <laughs> I was going to say I'll have to bring a guy on, but then the guy I would bring on would probably be like one of my brothers. And I am absolutely not having that conversation with one of my brothers. Okay. Next one. I thought that there was hair on the actual penis. Like imagine sucking on pube covered penis. Yeah. I remember I found a little pamphlet, like the maturation program in like fifth or sixth grade or whatever it is. I found one of the boys pamphlets and I opened it up and it like showed where boys will grow hair. You think you're prepared, but the hair is even weirder than the diagrams could ever make it seem. The hair is longer and wirier, wire, it's wiry, and it is in weird places. Like, I feel like girls' bushes make sense. I mean, they just, they're even, they cover the right area. Men's hair makes no sense to me, still, to this day. The first time I had sex, I thought that the dick was supposed to go in my butthole. Didn't even know there was another hole down there used for sex. So, listen, she said the first time I had sex. That means that she was... That, I mean, and I'm not I'm not saying this specifically. I'm saying this is very common that people get to their first sexual experience and still don't know what the logistics are and what to do and what like imagine, imagine, imagine thinking that sex was anal for your whole life and missing. I mean, obviously, anal is very common. A lot of people are very into it. But imagine missing out on the actual experience of sex because just nobody bothered to tell you that one little detail about your own body. Like that feels like, like so messed up to me that we were, so many of us were kept from knowledge about ourselves, like knowledge about, about our own anatomy. Like that actually is not funny to me at all. and makes me really mad for everybody who has ever experienced that. Also, did you guys have kids in your high school who did the poop hole loophole? I definitely, I only knew one. I knew one couple in high school who they had anal and then they just considered themselves virgins because they weren't actually having sex. Yeah, not how it works. <laughs> but I are not appreciate. Yeah, I can appreciate the uh, the the justification. Okay, I didn't know what vaginal discharge was, or I didn't know that vaginal discharge was normal until I was eighteen. I was too embarrassed to ask anyone about it, so I was just. I thought I was just slowly dying of whatever vagina, <laughs> vagina disease I had. I remember the first time I found discharge in my underwear, I thought the same thing. I thought I started my period, but like incorrectly, like I was like, it's not blood. Like I, I don't have blood in there. Like it's just other stuff. It was a very crazy experience. Uh, okay. Next, not me, but my sister. One day when she was about 17, she proudly explained to us about re-virgination, where if you don't have sex, or in this case, we we're talking about lip virgin. So if you don't kiss someone for a certain amount of time, you re-virginate. The more times you've done the deed, the longer it takes to re-virginate. She was 100% certain that this was a thing and that virginity, virginity just somehow magically grew back through a process called re-virgination. 
pretty sure she's talking about baptism. <laughs> pretty sure she's talking about the repentance process. Okay. But I fully, I mean, I, I didn't believe in the word revergination, but I mean, that was where I was at with like sin. You know, I thought that if you did something really bad and then you just uh, like there was a certain amount of time that passed or like if you confessed or like if you did something like then it just it goes away and you never even did it like at like it never happened, which, you know, maybe that's still a belief that some hold. That's fine. OK, I jokingly said to my friend that I was going to sit on their face. I admit, thought it meant beat someone up. Oh, I think we had this one. I think we had this one in I think it was a dumb. I don't know if it was a regular dumb dumb club, but yeah, whoever you said that to was probably pumped. Okay. I literally did not know the penis went into the vagina until I was 21. My mom told me that the guy just sprays some white stuff on the girl. Like that is so much worse than the truth. Like why not just explain? If 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 I heard an adult tell somebody like, "Yeah, you just get pregnant by the guy spraying some white stuff on the girl." Like that is filthy. That is literally a kink topic on porn websites. Like it would be so much easier to just tell the truth. Oh, okay. Until a month ago, I didn't know the actual definition of fetish. So I spent my whole life, I'm 30, talking about my own fetishes as well as other people's, thinking it was just referring to things we were obsessed with. I thought it meant an obsession, something you love. I'm humiliated. I mean, you're not far off. Maybe you do have a fetish or two. Maybe some of these things are fetishes. We did have that one dumb dumb club where somebody thought that fetish meant aversion. Like somebody thought like, oh, they have such a foot fetish meant like, oh, they hate feet. That would and they were doing it like at work. <laughs> like they were like, oh, my boss has a huge foot fetish. <laughs> uh, OK, I would like to enter my husband into the dumb dumb club. This is a man who has five sisters. And the first time he got or the first time I got my period after we were married, I informed him my period started and I went to the bathroom. Later that day, I'm going to the bathroom doing what needs to be done when he casually walks in and sees me changing my tampon. He looks at me so confused and says, I thought you had your period this morning. The look on his face when I informed him that I will be having it for 24 hours for the next, wait, let's see. Oh, when I informed him that periods are not like poop and you don't just go have it and that I would be having it for 24 hours a day for the next five to seven days was priceless. While I was horrified he didn't know this, he at least had the fortitude to ask how women survive something so difficult. So I felt validated. Nothing, nothing is better than when a man admires something that you do. Like as a woman, like, I mean, just in general, I mean, I want to be admired at all times, all the time, <laughs> at all times, all the time. Uh, I want to be admired always, but especially when it's just like things about women's bodies, like periods or sore boobs or things like that. Like when I have somebody say that to me, like, that is my foreplay. Like, yes, tell me how hard it is to be a woman. Like, tell me how tough I am. Tell me how weak you are. Tell me that I got the short end of the stick when it came to gender. Like, that is all I want to hear. It is so validating. Okay. I was probably eight, when I was probably eight or nine, I would watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer with my older sister, obviously when my parents were gone. And wow, that show was hot as a child in her sexual awakening era. I decided I needed to practice my kissing technique, so I grabbed a teddy bear and made out with it under a blanket. When I pulled the blanket down, I swear I saw Jesus standing directly over me. <laughs> Super disappointed. 
obviously grew up in a super religious home. I was legitimately convinced that I was pregnant with a teddy bear human inside of me. How was I going to tell my parents? Well, I never gave birth to this stuffed child and ended up having the sex talk for my friend in ninth grade. Safe to say I will be giving the talk to my child when she's like three. So there's never this humiliating confusion. The shame of Jesus standing above you as you practice kissing I, I've never related to a feeling more like I remember listening to the Backstreet Boys and stuffing my bra. I remember I got two baseballs and I put them in my bra and I, and danced obviously to Backstreet Boys and thought about Nick Carter. And I sobbed for weeks over the shame I felt like I, I couldn't even believe that I had done such a thing, like that I had let myself give in to Satan's desires that I had, I had ever even considered like anything remotely close to a sexual encounter with a boy. The shame runs deep guys. Uh, all right. My cousin was two grade levels above me. So she had sex education first. We got home from school together and she immediately told me everything. I still remember her saying it just takes three humps to get pregnant for a very long time. After that, I was absolutely terrified to go to, <laughs> I was terrified to go into crowded places in fear that someone would accidentally make three hump motions towards me and get me pregnant. <laughs> oh my gosh. Can you imagine? Oh, can you imagine being in a crowded place and just a stranger just does three hip thrusts and you're scared you're pregnant? That's so sad. Okay. I thought a bong and a glock were the name of sex toys. Actually, both of those are great names for sex toys. A glock? What is it? I feel like Call Her Daddy has something like that. Uh, uh, what is it? Now I want to Google it because it's their name for a blowjob. Let's see. Sorry, this is so annoying, but no, come on. Oh, yeah. Glock Glock 9000. How could I forget? Uh, which is just basically a term for a really sloppy, disgusting blowjob. Enthusiastic, I might add. A sloppy, enthusiastic blowjob. Uh, okay. Next. When I was watching Hocus Pocus as a kid, I asked my older brother what a virgin was and why there was such an emphasis on virgin lighting a virgin lighting the black flame candle. And he said, someone who keeps the commandments. So I'd introduce myself as a virgin when trying to convey my religious beliefs to people. It went on for way too long. I mean, you definitely conveyed your religious beliefs. If you're like, hey, my name's whatever, and I'm a virgin. They're probably like, this girl takes her religion seriously. So you probably got to where you were going. Just did it in the weirdest way possible. All right. When I had the sex talk with my mom, when I had the sex talk, my mom used technical terms for the first time. And I had just learned them in the maturation program for the first time that that way. Maturation program is the worst. So I wasn't super familiar when my mom said the penis went into the vagina. I thought the vagina was the name for boobs. So I thought the boob would open up like a demogorgon. I was shocked and appalled for like two years. This is why I want to use technical terms for my kids. So they don't have linger lingering lingering nightmares of boobs flowering open. There was one, I don't know if I missed it or if I had, I, I don't know why I missed it, but somebody's husband thought that your nipples connected when you had sex. They just magically, they like magnetized to each other, which as somebody who has the world's most sensitive nipples, if I had to be attached to whoever I was having sex with, oh, I can't, dries me right up. Okay. Oh, speaking of nipples, I thought my nipples would disappear as I got older because Barbies don't have them. Barbie's not having nipples is a choice. I mean, it's probably better that they don't have nipples. It'd be way weirder if they did have nipples. 
I was going to say like, oh no, they should add nipples. So it's accurate. But like, do you know how many weird, weird things would happen if like the Barbie dolls had like accurate, you know, organs and everything? Like imagine getting a Barbie and she just has a bush. Like, I don't think that that would go very well for like the child community. Okay. I read a kid's encyclopedia before I had the talk and it said a baby came from when the sperm met the egg and had a vague drawing of where those were in the body. So I thought that all you had to do was sit there and think really hard about them meeting and they would meet via brain waves. And I distinctly remember seeing a couple who'd been married for a while who didn't have kids and thinking they just hadn't figured out how to get their brain waves to connect yet. If brain waves were needed to create a baby, again, we would have far less babies because you know, sometimes when you're having sex, your brain isn't really in the mix. Your brain isn't really thinking about if it's a good idea, if it if it should be happening, you know, if you like the person. <laughs> Just kidding. I do think that you should have sex with people that you like. I I'm not a I I don't think that waiting till marriage is is necessary or productive, but I do think that you should like, trust and respect the person that you choose to have sex with. But if sometimes you don't, it is what it is. All right. Uh in third grade, my friend told me that sex meant a penis went inside a vagina for 30 minutes minimum. Like it didn't count as sex unless it was marinating for that long. I obviously learned that wasn't true, but it had to have been a few years later. Ladies, I want you to take a moment for that. I want you to take a moment and think about a penis marinating inside of you for 30 minutes. Like talk about a UTI, okay? Like I'm here as a woman with a UTI. I, I am part of the community right now and thinking about 30 minutes of it just sitting in there. Oh, no. Okay. Uh, not really about sex, but when I was little, I thought all females on their, wait, hold on. Not really about sex, but when I was little, all females in their teenage years and twenties that wore leggings, I thought that meant that they were on their period. Like you could only wear leggings if you were on your period, I do think that there should be some sort of like marker, like some sort of indicator, maybe if somebody's on their period, I, I still think that we are like not even close to periods, not being taboo. And I kind of, I, I don't want to say I agree with it, but I do kind of get it just because of the blood aspect. Like if it was any other liquid, I feel like we would be making strides in this being more mainstream discussion, but it's the blood of it all. Every time I have my period, I just think, why? Why does it have to be blood? Why does it have to be my uterine lining that's this weird brownish color? Why does this have to be it? Like, why can't it be literally any, I would take any other substance. So I get why we don't really discuss periods, but I think that men should get a little bit more comfy with the idea of periods, especially because you don't have to do it, okay? you're fine. If you have to hear about it, if you have to see a little blood, if you have to buy a girl some tampons, if you have to watch her change her tampon, if you have sex with a girl while she's on her period, just deal with it. Okay. You're going to be fine. Unless you have experienced menstruation, I don't want to hear your feedback. All right. Uh, I thought that wet dreams, wait, let's see. I thought that wet dreams meant you wet the bed as in you peed the bed in your sleep. I went around telling my brother's friends that he had wet dreams until he was like 12 my brother's pissed. He's like, I was way older. I was way older, dude. I still have him. I swear. <laughs> oh, I thought, or let's see. I had to be the one to tell someone that raw dogging is not another term for winging it. 
the amount of times I've heard people say stuff like, well, I've done the, I've never done this sport before or hiked this path or dyed my hair or literally anything. I guess I'll raw dog it. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I hear this a lot. Raw dog has definitely become like a mainstream phrase, but it for sure means like doing something without protection. Like when you see somebody without a phone case, they're raw dogging it. When you meet somebody who doesn't take antidepressants, they're raw dogging it, which is where I am right now, by the way, this is not on topic, but I did. I think I had talked to you guys a little bit about how I wanted to get off of my antidepressants and I was kind of like titrating off of them in like December because I just, I don't know, I wasn't loving how they were making me feel. And I, I did. And with the help of my doctor and other supplements and other things added into my life, I did not just, did not just quit, but, um, yeah, I was able to get off of them. And I was, I was really grateful for that. I, I feel a lot better, but please do not take my advice. Please don't stop taking your antidepressant unless you've talked to your doctor. Please, 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 please. Okay. I thought that pussy meant penis until I was like two years into marriage. In all fairness, penises are way weaker than vaginas. So it does make way more sense. Yeah. When people say like, you're being a pussy, I want to be like, do you have any idea? You have, have any idea how tough this shit is? There is nothing more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, like tougher or resilient. There's nothing more resilient than the female reproductive system. Think about what happens to a body during pregnancy and childbirth. I mean, your body is literally ripped to shreds and guess what? It heals itself and then it can do it again. Like, like it, it's not even possible. Like your uterus basically gets shredded and it can still do it again and again and again. Your body is is tough, specifically the female reproductive system. So, yeah, I mean, I know that's not a hot take that we need to change the phrasing of, you know, calling people pussies, but whatever. OK, I thought an orgy was strictly. 18 people or more. 18 people. 18 people. That. That shocks me. That shocks me. Imagine, like, first of all, sex can be a little clumsy. You know, it can have its awkward moments. It's it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. It's full of pleasure. But also there are a lot of times that are a little bit funny or clunky, whatever. Imagine having to deal with all of that with 17 other people. Also, is everybody participating all the time? What if somebody needs to go get a drink? What if somebody needs to use the bathroom? What if somebody needs to check in with their elderly grandmother? Do they just stand up and walk away and then just the orgy continues with everybody around them? Like, I, I don't even, I, I, I mean, I've never been a part of an orgy, no plans to, uh, but never say never, I guess. Uh, sorry, somebody just came to the door, right? as I said that and scared me so bad. I hate recording in public, but I don't get anything done when I work at home. So anyway, uh, back to orgies. <laughs> I mean, I've heard about like these sex parties. I know people firsthand who have attended sex parties, who have attended these orgies or like hookup parties or whatever. And I just, I mean, I'm social for sure. I love a good chit chat. I love, you know, work in a room, networking, I just don't imagine that I'd, I'd want to do that butt ass naked in the middle of a hundred other boners, other boners. I don't have boners. I don't have a boner, but if I had to encounter more than one boner at a time, I think that I would buckle. When I was maybe three or four, I asked my mom where babies come from. She told me your body just knows when it wants one. See, way weirder, way more confusing, way scarier also. So for years until I was 
far too old to admit I would avoid thinking about babies so that my body wouldn't accidentally think I wanted one. And I would get extreme anxiety if I ever saw a baby and thought it was cute. Like the anxiety that the lack of knowledge creates is something that I like. That's where the safety aspect comes in. You know, like we're all so anxious and scared of what sex is. <sighs> okay. Let's see. Sorry, lost my place. You know that part in the song, My Humps? Oh, My Humps. Oh my gosh. Why have we not talked about My Humps? That was like, that was my sex ed. My Humps was my sex ed. Uh, but the part that goes, mil mix your milk with my cocoa puffs, milky, milky, cocoa puffs, milky, milky, cocoa puffs, milky, milky. Oh, that song is so good. When I heard it in middle school, I thought that milk was breast milk and cocoa puffs meant jizz was chocolate brown. And I thought that that until late high school, I still don't really know what that part of the song means. Mix your milk. Let's let's look up. Let's see what um let's see what milk with my cocoa puffs meaning. Oh, first search. Let's see. It would mean okay, it would the milk here is referring to man juice. This is what Urban Dictionary says. And the cocoa puffs would be the woman's bazookas. This phrase would be used in a sexual context, usually in direct direction giving and whatnot. <laughs> That phrasing is way worse. Why would somebody not just say it's when somebody comes on your tits? I feel like that. I mean, let's just let's keep it honest. I thought that virgin olive oil was made in Virginia by nuns. <laughs> Double virgin. <laughs> A nun in Virginia. Wow. Incredible. Uh, I thought that 69 was if you're driving with your boyfriend and you hit 69 miles an hour, you have to kiss. I was literally driving with somebody and I said, oh my gosh, let's 69. That's amazing. I'm actually going to use that. I think that that's funny. Oh, that's funny. And then you have to kiss and that's a fun game. It's like going to be my new slug bug. Let's 69. Uh, okay. Next one. I was at a sleepover in fifth grade and we were all talking about how unfair it was that as girls, we have periods and all this other puberty stuff and boys basically have nothing until one of my friends pipes up and says, I know something that happens to boys when they go through puberty. They pee milk. <laughs> I went way too long thinking that's what actually happened until I found out what was really going on down there. Yeah, the issue with the lies is that no one clears them up. That's the bottom line. Oh, that is all we... Wait, actually, I have one more. Sorry, 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 sorry. I have one more. When I was 27 years old, I went in to get induced with my first baby. They told me they were going to check my cervix as if, as if everyone just knows what that is. So me, 27 year old with a master's degree, dumbass, just sat there and waited to see what they would do. When the nurse stuck her hand up my vagina, I had the audacity to say, oh, that's actually my vagina <laughs> to a nurse, not knowing it was also the route to the cervix. The nurse looked at me with so much pity, but to be honest, it's not my fault. It's the Utah education system. Yeah. Not to mention the lack of sexual knowledge uh, affects when you go to the doctor. I had no idea what a pap smear was. I also had no idea my doctor was basically going to motorboat me to see if I had any lumps in my breasts. Like nobody tells you anything. And it's really, it's really a damn shame. That's all we have time for today. But yes, of course, of course, of course, I swear on my life, swear on everything. We will be doing a part two. I, you have my word. It's too good and too upsetting. We absolutely have to make this a part two. So thank you guys for joining me today. This is a little spicy. We got a little spicy here. Uh, hopefully it's okay. Hopefully you join me next week and this didn't ruin me forever for you hearing about, you know, I don't know, my opinion on 69ing. 
But if you want to join me for extra content, you can head over to the Patreon. You get two extra episodes a month. And remember to subscribe, rate, review, message me on Instagram. Love to chit chat, post on your story. Tell me what topics you like. A lot of people like message me and they're like, I'm so sorry to suggest a topic. Are you kidding me? I love it. I want to know what topics you guys want to cover. I'm, I need it. I, I, I want to provide content that you guys like. So again, thank you guys for being here. Love you so much. See you next week. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. Remember, you can catch a new episode of The Bad Broadcast every Monday. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss anything. Also, I want to hear from you, so please leave a rating and review. You can also follow me on Instagram at The Bad Broadcast for all the behind-the-scenes action and more information. Talk to you next week. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.